Hello and welcome to Stern Chats. I'm Lauren Marinero. And I'm Maham Jamal. And today we're talking to RJ Rushmore. Prior to pursuing his MBA, RJ made a career as a curator and a thought leader in the world of street art. To us, he is a key example of the innovators and creatives that make up our very dynamic community here at Stern. Should we get started? Yep, let's do it. Woo! From New York University Stern campus, this is Stern Chat, the podcast that tells the hidden stories between the lines of someone's resume. In the interest of serving the Stern community, building relationships, and unlocking important life lessons, we present these stories to a wider audience. RJ Rushmore, welcome to Stern Chats. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you, Lauren. It's really awesome to be here and to be kicking off the new season with you guys. Yeah, RJ, we we are so excited, and I, I am personally excited, as I've told you, um, because I've seen you around. Um, we are both interested in the arts. Um, we both have, you know, uh, I would say, like proclivities towards pursuing careers in um, some form of, of a creative discipline. And, um, you know, we just haven't had a chance to connect on on you and your background. So I'm I'm personally very excited to get to know you a little bit. And I'm personally really excited uh, because I mean, and anybody that asked me this has probably heard this answer a million times, but the main reason I came to NYU Stern was the really freaking awesome people that I, I met. Um, and uh, I think there's something special about Sternies and that they're not the typical business student. Uh, you know, we don't all necessarily have the traditional backgrounds that you see coming into some other schools, um, but I think that's what makes us really interesting and um, keeps things spicy here at Stern, if you will. So, RJ, can I ask just like a just one quick question before we dive into like who you are and, and that whole jazz? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we're doing, right? You're asking questions. Let's, that's let's true. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, what is what does RJ stand for? Um, stands for Rush Jr. My my dad uh, goes by the nickname Rush. So it actually, if you if you actually spelled it out, it would be Rushmore Jr. Rushmore. But I'm actually a third, so my dad is actually the junior. It's very it's very confusing. So it's it was an old family nickname, and uh, what ended up happening was he and I were both involved in the art world, and I would start getting emails that were intended for him that would be like, oh, I hear. Um, Mike Rushmore, you want to buy a painting? And I'm like, no, I'm 16 and I have like an allowance. So <laughs> no, but I think I can forward here. this. Yeah, I can forward this to the right person for you. So to stop that confusion from happening, I was like, okay, I got to adopt the, the family nickname a little more widely. I like it though. Rushmore Jr. Rushmore the third. Yeah. You know, I've always, I've always been really interested in, um, like what we inherit from our families just generally. And, you know, for some people it's like, it's either an item or an heirloom or some people it's just like a recipe, but I always find like a name, like inheriting a name, there's something so mysterious, you know, about that, like being named, like I, you know, I, my brothers and I, we all have a middle name that's inherited from our, um, our grandfather or my dad's, my dad's grandfather. So my great grandfather. And what's the name? Um, so Hassan, um, you know, so my, my 
middle brother's middle name is Hassan, and my my youngest brother's name is Hassan. But my my paternal grand great grandfather's name was Hassan too, and we don't, we don't know him. So you know, anyway, it's just interesting to to carry a legacy that um, kind of becomes bigger than than you. But yeah. But just yeah. like on that, you know, RJ, you know, I'm, I'm really interested. So were you, because we know that you went to school in London, but what, where is your family from? And do you mind just giving us a bit of like a kind of geographical history of yourself from, you know, where you were born to sort of how you got here um, to NYU? Sure. I was in Chicago uh, in the suburbs till I was 12 or 13. And uh did not love that, so the chance to move to London with my family for high school was was great. Uh, so I spent about five years in the UK. Uh, my dad's job moved us over there, and uh, so I did high school, and then I took a gap year because I loved it so much. I was like, I don't want to leave this country. Um, so I stayed around for a while, went to school outside of Philadelphia, um, and stayed in Philadelphia for another year or two after college. Uh, again, really love that city. And then came up to New York uh, a couple of years ago now uh, for a job that, uh, and a job and a, and a girlfriend at the time, and uh, have been here ever since. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a city, you know, working in the arts and culture, it's the city that eventually I had to get to. That's, mm-hmm. that's just, for better or worse, that's, that's the reality of, uh, of our community. <laughs> Yeah, New York is New York for a reason. Um, actually, can circling back a little bit on that, you, I mean, you moved to London initially, you mentioned for your dad's job, and not only inheriting your father's name, it sounds like you also inherited his love of the arts. Um, is that, uh, tell us more about that. Is that, you know, more self-motivated, or do you feel like that you're in the place you're in today because of your dad? We, we really fell into it together. Um, I think he and I both had an attitude, I I think I still have this attitude of, you know, you go to a museum, you're supposed to, right? You're supposed to go to the art museum Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to like the painting or the sculpture or whatever. And then you get there and it's a urinal and you're very confused (laughs) and you're 15 and you have an immature sense of humor and you're like, this is not art. (laughs) And I love Duchamp now, but like at the time, right, it was very strange. (laughs) I was, yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I'm interrupting you. So, no, so, we, so I think he and I both had that experience. And then we both had a little bit of, or I maybe had some awareness of folks like Banksy or Shepard Ferry. And he and I kind of fell into this habit together of how do we explore London? We're in this wonderful new city. Oh, one way to explore is actually to go searching for this, this art that we actually can identify with and understand and doesn't make us feel stupid and, and uncomfortable. So... For me, falling into public art and street art and graffiti was a lot of like, art and culture makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And here's a community where I felt welcome and, and he did as well. And yeah, so it's been a bonding thing. It wasn't something that he necessarily grew up with, but or that I necessarily grew up with, but once we fell into it, it's been a bonding thing for the last decade plus for us. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mom, you were going to say something. No, I, I know it's totally, um, you know, it, it is such an interesting, like, I don't want to get too much into, you know, a discussion about art, but it is something that I wanted to ask you just in terms of this idea of street art being um, 
something that's intended for a larger audience and, and that sense of like exclusivity in the art world, particularly around work shown in galleries. Um, but then, you know, and, and particularly, I would say street art as rebellion or as a form of rebellion to that. But then, you know, also understanding that now so much of contemporary art and contemporary artists who are showing at these, um, like in these exclusive circles are those who are influenced by street art and and I would just say I guess what is your um, like how would you uh, explain that or or like describe the relationship between um, between street and fine art today sure I guess I would I would make two points one you know I think there is this assumption that street art is predicated on rebellion (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I don't know that that's true. I think there there are instances maybe where that's the case, or there's a political message behind the art, or what have you. But I, I don't I don't think that's a universal truth. Um, and so and and then you think about okay, say you're an artist and you're you have you're making work in your studio or your apartment or whatever. No gallery wants to show it. Okay, maybe putting work on the street is a natural thing, but. There's nothing that says, well, just because I use spray paint doesn't mean I can't paint on a canvas with spray paint or with something else, right? That's like saying, well, just because I make watercolors, I can never touch an oil paint, right? Or I, I paint on, I draw on paper, so I could never use a canvas or make a sculpture or what have you. So I think, again, there's this assumption and you're not wrong to make it, right? It's, 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 it's it, on some level, it makes a lot of sense that well, street artists, that means you only work in the street or in public, right? It's like, no, those same people have sketchbooks and canvases and studios. So there was never really that same separation. The folks, you know, even in, in graffiti early on in the 70s and 80s, graffiti artists were already showing indoors. Um, the same street artists, Shepard Ferry, who did the Obama Hope poster, he went to RISD. You know, he was trained as, a, <laughs> as an illustrator and just kind of stumbled into like, oh, wheat pasting and stickers are fun. Yeah, I, no, I I totally um, understand that. I mean, Basquiat is like such a great example, and Keith Haring, and I guess what you know, I'm just I'm interested even in the way that you described it in your own story as, you know, you felt. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understood, it's that you were sort of going to these galleries and you're looking at this like Duchamp, and you're like, what is? I mean, this isn't accessible, you know, or this is this feels like something that I don't feel a part of and then you kind of found that belonging more in street art and so I guess I'm just curious about that distinction for you like what was that between you know the work that you were seeing in these museums and maybe feeling a disconnection but then finding that more in street art sure totally um and Herring is a great example he mentioned it's a great example of that um you know, he was trying to make work that was accessible to everybody. That was his thing. He's like, yeah, I'll do the fine art stuff and I'll, I'll, I'll paint on campus and sell that and, you know, make a living. I'm also going to make t-shirts and sell them for $10 because I want that accessibility, right? Street artists can't necessarily be as conceptual as, as an artist in a gallery can't be as elitist or exclusive. Um, like I love conceptual art, but at the time I didn't understand it. And here was art that it has to catch your eye. It has to be understandable in an instant because you're driving by in a car or in a bike or walking by and you're on your way to something and it needs to grab you, right? So it needs to have a popular point of connection. It, it can't insult you <laughs> um, 
for the most part. And um, so that was really appealing to me. It finally felt like, oh, this is some art that I have an entry point into. And then maybe some, maybe I didn't understand like, ooh, that that stencil by Banksy is really cool. And maybe I didn't understand that there were layers and layers to that stencil and that there were layers of meaning I wasn't understanding immediately. But there was something always to to bring you in. And I think street artists, the good, the good ones, understand that um, and have to bring that into their work in a way that a traditional fine artist doesn't necessarily have to do. Can I follow? I'm just... Everything that you mentioned is, is really uh, fascinating, and, and I agree with that. That's kind of how I've, and I, I've, sometimes I connect with art, sometimes I don't, and sometimes I feel like I just don't get it. But then how did you make that leap from, um, I'm going to find art that I connect with, to I'm going to make a career out of this? And maybe I'm jumping too far ahead. I don't know if you want to take us through that a little bit. But uh, for me, I mean, I like I like to paint. I like to, you know, craft, actually... I did use watercolor on canvas, not knowing that you weren't supposed to do that, and um, painting turned out okay. <laughs> so, Great. Talk about who using cares about paint. rules? Rules are stupid. Rules are stupid. You know, I agree. Um, but, but from that perspective, um, you know, what what led you to to maybe want to identify what are the layers to this Banksy painting? Um, is this something that I want to physically do, or is this something I want to promote? And then, how did you start to navigate? the art world itself, because it does seem exclusive and it does seem um, like almost unattainable in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, you know, I looked around and I was probably 17 years old in in London. Um, my dad had a DSLR camera, which was something that was uncommon at the time, right? There's nice digital cameras. And I noticed that a lot of the artists didn't have photos of their own work. Um, so the, I just, I asked, how can I be helpful? Like, I didn't ask a person, but I just sort of asked myself, like, okay, in this community that I am learning about, how can I learn more and how can I be helpful? And the answer was, I have access to borrowing my dad's camera and like taking, I mean, what now look like terrible photos, but like better photos than the artists had access to at the time. Um, and then that became like, oh, this is the guy or one of the guy, one of the people who runs around London and takes photos. That's really useful to us. I also had a little bit of writing experience. So I said, oh, I can write about this stuff. They need people writing about it and that's helpful for them. And so I started a blog and I started curating exhibitions and I just realized like I can play all of these support roles that I really like playing um, without ever having to pick up a spray can or, or a paintbrush. Um, and, and I can do what the artists were maybe not spending time on but was still was something that they appreciated yeah it, it and i would say that, that that is really interesting you know i think we all find um like our our missions and so rj you know it seems like for you this attraction to this aspect of the art world you know it was just um like a natural pull would you agree would you describe it as that that you kind of like seem to na- have naturally navigated into it yeah, absolutely. And and the other part of it was I was going to an American school for high school. Um, so most of the people I was around, even though I'd been in London at three, four years at this point, um, were Americans or maybe international students who'd moved around a lot. Um, and I wasn't exposed to that much of London. <laughs> so part of the poll was also just being around London and being around British people and being 
being like, okay, well, I'm only going to be here for so many more years. Like, how can I take advantage of this space that I'm in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, there's so much there, you know, there's so much about um, learning about a city through art. But I think more specifically, and, and you mentioned this like very early on in our conversation, but just New York and London as cities for that kind of public art. And, um, you know, I'm curious for you, when you did move to New York, um, how how much of that experience translated to New York in terms of your relationship to the city through art? Well, you know, it wasn't like I had never been to New York before, so that was that was good, right? I was I was living in Philadelphia and getting up to New York pretty regularly, but to finally live in the city and be able to to go to the thing, to go to the gallery on opening night and and run into people and end up, you know, at some bar at two in the morning with like my hero, you know, art heroes, right? Like being in New York provides all of all of that uh which which has been which has been nice uh but at the same time like i'll say there are projects that i feel i worked on in say philadelphia that are maybe more interesting or more important or more powerful uh artworks than projects that i've worked on in new york and yet the thing i work on in new york like ends up on the cover of the new york times and goes around the world and the thing in philadelphia no one's ever heard of so that so i have a complicated relationship with new york because i find that aspect frustrating like i know there's good things going on in cincinnati right now that i don't necessarily know about can i ask why um and uh again with maham on this i don't want to go too too deep into art i want to learn more about you but why do you think little little aside why do you think the more interesting art is in philadelphia and cincinnati versus new york I don't know that it's necessarily the more interesting work. I think I, th- I think it's that the work that's interesting happening there doesn't get the press attention, right? Like the press, atten- if if the or the buzz around it, right? It doesn't get the credibility of of being a New York exhibition, <laughs> right? And it's this it's like the difference between being on Broadway and having your musical premiere in any other place, right? right. Yeah. It might be a better or worse musical, like. I don't, I don't know, but if it premieres on Broadway, the whole world's going to know about it. Well, and, and since you're like, again, going back to like the, how I can be helpful, your world is more, um, you know, curating, supporting and bringing this art to bear in a, in a way that it hasn't been before. I can imagine why you'd be drawn to areas where it's not, art is not getting the recognition maybe it deserves. Yeah, I mean, there are thriving arts communities in, you know, every city in America that isn't New York, but mm-hmm. we don't always know about them, right? Or, uh, and, and so I, I love when I have opportunities to, to get to know those communities and, and share some of that out. It's, it's always really fun. So, RJ, you know, I'm interested in um, this transition for you as well, just in terms of, you know, we did a, kind of a big jump there um, in your in your life and your relationship to art, but you know, from what I understand, when you were in London, you were kind of experiencing art more as um, originally as a consumer, but then you kind of started to get um, sort of involved in in the scene. Um, And I'm curious, when did that involvement transform into a full career and one where you're sort of actively a voice in in the art world and participating in those conversations 
Yeah, I, I would say I. So when I was still in high school, I started a blog. Uh, sounds so silly to say in 2020 like what's a blog right but uh at the time it was it became this thing that was getting at its height a few thousand hits a day talking about street art and graffiti and public art in london and around the world and had a team of writers but we were never really doing it for money right like running a blog doesn't cost that much money and so we were just like cool whatever if we have a few ads that can pay the hosting bills we're, we're happy with that it was it was a passion project and i did that all the way through college um and so i was building a reputation for myself and speaking at conferences and taking you know taking more photos and getting a little better at that and curating things but it really that having that blog and everything around that set me up to turn it into a career the moment i graduated and started working full-time for Mural Arts Philadelphia, which is uh, the largest public art program in the country by budget, probably. So, so, so I, they, so they, oh yeah, sorry, good. I was, so I was just going to say that in, in that case, they, they knew me because of the, the blog I had been writing for years and I had conversations with them about like, here are some artists you might want to bring in and that sort of thing. And so they, if I, if I didn't put in all those years, where you can't really call it a career, but I was building this thing that didn't bring an income, but it was a, a thing that built reputation. I, I wouldn't have gotten that job that was I've then been able to turn it into a career. You know, RJ, something that you just mentioned in terms of building your reputation before being able to pursue that as a career, that's something that I find a lot in uh, the film world as well. And I'm curious, you know, is that that's is that a way that you sort of see the art world as, um, you know, as someone who, if someone is listening to this and is interested in getting into the arts, is that sort of the the way that you would recommend that they get started? Yeah, I, I think so, and and I get that there's there's issues around access and and not everybody has as much free time as I had to to pursue that kind of thing. But I think looking around and asking, okay, how can I be helpful with the time that I have or the, the resources that I have or whatever capacity I may have um, is, a, is a great way to get started because, you know, if you want to start working at a gallery and you drop off your resume, like there are a thousand people dropping off resumes to be a gallery assistant, right? But if you can, if you can build something and we're in an age where that's possible, right? Uh, I think that there are people who will appreciate that. And, and that's, I don't know, it works, it works for me is all I can say. <laughs> Leading into, uh, you know, kind of why we're all here and talking to each other today. RJ, I'd love to, to hear more about, you know, why, why an MBA? Why Stern for you? Yeah, um, I would say, I, so I worked in a couple of different places in the arts, in these arts nonprofits and city government over the last few years. And realized that there was just there were certain tools that I was learning that in that environment and certain tools that I was just never going to learn um, without going back to school. And so looking at what was out there, an MBA to me made a lot of sense as a place where I could really build that that toolkit and learn things. Yeah, that just that just were going to come up in my day to day project management work. Got it. So, so relating to the work that you were doing, it was kind of like, 
again, going back to, you know, how can I be helpful, like gaining those tools you needed to continue to promote art in a certain way? Or like, was there a, like a more of a lofty goal of potentially running your own gallery or like what, what yeah, tools wanna, did you feel like you were missing? One of my um, mentors is a, is a gallery owner and former museum director who actually was probably one of the first people to graduate from HBS with an MBA with a focus in art. And if not the first person to do that, and I just looked at his career over the last 30, 40 years since he was in school and saw that he was he was just such a pioneer in the intersection of like arts, culture and business over and over and over again. And I was like, oh, he, he got these really good. Again, this is just very good toolkit. I don't know yeah, wh whether that means for me opening a gallery or going back into public art or going into for-profit arts and culture, which was sort of my inclination if you ask me today, but uh, I just, I, I saw what he was able to do and it's like, great, that seems, that seems like he got all the stuff that was missing. He got, he got the business acumen and the, the finance experience and the, the leadership experience and just the ability to help artists take their really crazy weird dreams and make them reality which is already what i was trying to do and he was just able to do it in new ways uh that i was really envious of <laughs> that's awesome that makes sense yeah yeah it is you know it's it's interesting um you know in in art i would imagine that there just are such a way like such a open variety of ways of participating and um in that way just having like the the pure tools and skills um you know that that being a someone who's studying business, business student, or an entrepreneur provides you is, is something that can go really far in that community. And so I'm curious: was there uh, when you were looking at business schools, was there a reason that Stern stood out to you, or was it a location-based you know choice? I'm just curious about that thought process for you. Yeah, I mean, location definitely played a role. Not gonna lie, like I like New York. I love New York. I would you know love to stay in New York. So that that was a part of it however um I, I think it was it was looking at things like the mfa mba program right even if that's not what i was going to do to know that there were going to be other creative people around me to know that i was going to have access to the the fact that there are a huge number of military vets at stern that's not a community that i have spent a lot of time with prior to stern so I was like, great, that's going to be a totally different community for me who are going to be super interesting people, right, that I otherwise don't know how I would meet. Um, so, yeah, it just, it just seemed like the really the right mix of people in, in the right location. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's something that we can all agree with is the community is such a strong part of what Stern offers. Um, and so I guess just even thinking of right now your time um, – you know, meeting with other creatives in New York have, how has your, I mean, could you speak a little bit into about how your experience so far thus far at Stern has informed the way that you're interacting with um, creatives and the creative space in New York? You know, it's, it's a really small thing, but uh, a couple of times this has happened where I've, I've been talking to a friend or an acquaintance, say an artist, and what are you doing? I'm getting my MBA. I'm over at Stern. Um, you know, maybe 
maybe to them, I'm thinking that's not the most interesting thing. I want to hear about the new the new projects they're working on. Um, but they go, oh my god, wait, uh, I just like. I, I like have $10,000 in the bank from a big project last year and I don't know what to do with it. Can you help? Right. And, and that's totally not like, I don't know. That's, that's, I, I can't be helpful with that, but I can refer to them to people. Right. But like that, I, I, I just, I, it's been interesting to me that people have gone, Oh my God, wait, you might actually have skill sets that I need. And I don't know. That's that's sort of a funny example. It was just something that's happened a few times, and I'm like, sure, let me connect you with like somebody who can actually help. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's been interesting to to get reactions because I would say talking with folks, half the people that I talk to look at me like I'm totally nuts, and like why why would you leave this like wonderful creative community to like go hang out at a business school and there's, you know, certain stereotypes about that. Um, and the other half are like, oh, wow, you are going to get all the skills that like I need you to use to help me with my career as soon as you're done with this program. Right. right. And, and so people either totally get it or don't get it at all, which has been interesting. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely relate to that. And, um, you know, I'm curious for you because this is something that I, I personally have experienced a lot of. But, um, you know, I, I'm curious about whether or not you've had any kind of um, and the only way I can think to put it is like identity crisis and being someone who maybe identifies more with the creative, but is now in a business setting and, and kind of viewed as someone who is a business professional. I'm, you know, I'm curious, has that been something that you've thought about at all? Oh, absolutely. I am definitely the only male identified person at Stern with a septum ring um, <laughs> or any sort of metal, probably anywhere on my face. Um, and so there is there's definitely like there's there's an identity crisis both when i'm in stern's building and and when i'm out in the dark world or what have you um but i think the reality is that like a lot of that is in my head and the reality is that uh folks at stern have been super welcoming and engaging and and interested in what i'm interested in and also not dismissive of me just because of my background um and so it's 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 Yes, absolutely, but it's it's all in my head. <laughs> I mean, and I think you bring up something really interesting. It, they, you know, these seem like they are unrelated areas of interest, but both of these communities, whether it's you know business and art, need each other so much. Like I think you see, you know, just as you mentioned, right? Um, you have friends uh, in the art world that are like, I really could use access to this business acumen to like advance my work um, in a way that makes it so it can be financially feasible for me, right? But then people forget that on the other side, you have all these people with, you know, these business brains that are trying to access creativity and design uh, to go ahead and create products and experiences and advertising and all this stuff that um, connects their, you know, product to a broader community. So I think while it's, you know, it, I, totally get it. You walk into, uh, you know, Stern, NYU Stern, and you see these people running around in uh, business suits going off to consulting and finance uh, interviews, right? It's like, "Mm, am I in the right spot? But, you know, at the end of the day, we really, I think, need each other. And um, what I love so much about Stern is that we've, the the communities there to learn from each other in coming from these different backgrounds, coming from these different areas, so that when we leave, we're not we're not just you know graduating with a specialization in finance or something, but um, we have 
I mean, and that's fine too. If you want to graduate specialization in finance, I, li- I like the the finance guys as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not not. <laughs> oh yeah, no. We love we love <laughs> we the love finance guys. I'm, yeah, and girls and yeah, men yes. and women in finance. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm looking at specializing in finance just because I feel like I kind of going back to what you're saying. Like, there's tools that I don't have that I think I could gain in this experience. But that being said, like, even with that those tools, knowing people and learning from people um, like you, RJ and Maham, who, by the way, for those of you listening in is an MFA MBA, you know, I can learn from you guys about from your experiences in the art world and gain so much just cultural knowledge and, and things that then I can take into ideally my business world as well. I think that's a great point. I would just throw in like my, probably my favorite class that I've taken so far at Stern it's called The Strategist with Adam Brandenberger, and it's such a good class, and he's he's so brilliant. I just I, We met up for coffee, socially distant coffee, a couple of weeks ago, and it just really invigorated me. Um, and taking strategy initially, I was like, okay, I'm learning stuff, I'm learning stuff, but ooh, do I, as like a creative person, have a role in this world? And then I took Adam's class, and I was like, oh, it's all about creativity, right? Like, once you have the base-level strategy tools, and you do need that, then you get to go have fun. Yeah. And his class is all about like, how do you how do you go beyond that base level and be creative with your strategy? And it's, oh, it's all the stuff that me and my, my art friends like, and we can actually use that in a business context, as you said, with whether it's, you know, product design or just coming up with different ways to be competitive as, as a business. A plus one for Adam Brandenburger's The Strategist for everybody listening as well. Like that's a great class, highly recommend. And he's just a great person too. Um, but but you know, RJ, yeah, I, I like again. I mean, we have a lot in common, but I really do, um, you know, under, like relate to that. Where there's a certain freedom, you know, once you get over the hump of. I mean, for me, this was the experience, and you may be able to relate to it as well. But just once I got over the hump of, you know, jargon and like sort of diving into finance and statistics and things that were unfamiliar to me. And making that familiar now, you know, this year I've kind of come in and I'm personally just starting to um, like see how, like now that the barrier to entry has kind of broken down for me, it's like I'm enjoying being creative and like how I approach this new knowledge, you know, and thinking of like, oh, you know, like with this, I could actually use this to build my brand or I could use this to build, you know, this this project. And so... Um, it is, it's, it's interesting, like, I, I wonder if, you know, this is something that you could even speak to, but like this, like this notion of, you know, the arts and business world and some, you know, what we've been talking about as being separate and mutually exclusive. And then, you know, even maybe even feeling like you're walking into this building and you may not have a place there, but realizing how much the opposite it actually is in, in practice and how much, you know, um, how much not just each informs the other but just like how much room there is to build when you have um these these different worlds to to draw from yeah i mean i I think uh sort of related to that like i i've done a lot of writing over the last 10 12 years done a few books and it's mostly been arts and culture writing but i would say i am a halfway decent writer i'm not a great writer and lots of great writers but um it's it's been great like on group projects at stern where like you know what i'm probably not the master of this like this statistics problem like somebody else is probably going to do that math better than i am 
but when we're like building a presentation about those statistics or or trying to get that in, you know from an excel spreadsheet into something to present i i have a skill set that maybe is 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 valuable at that part of the process right and so being able to find those points of, of intersection and find you know everyone's strengths and weaknesses um and collaborate given given those has been has been really rewarding and, and actually RJ, i want to shift gears just just a little bit here um because you know we're talking about gaining the tools uh you need to be successful but I almost want to circle back to kind of that initial passion and drive that you have, um, you know, in, in, in the art world, but also to gain those, those business skills that you feel you need to be successful. And a uh, you know, little, little aside, I, I, I know that you had a heart condition at one month old, and I'd like to hear a little bit more about that and how that's influenced you and your drive uh, today, if, if, if it has. Yeah, I, I thank you for asking about that. Uh, it's it's really simple. Um, yeah, I should be really, really, really dead, and I'm not. And so I have some scars. I had some surgeries, but like I'm in pretty good working order. Um, and I'm just I'm extremely fortunate uh, to to be in that position. If I'd been born ten years earlier, that wouldn't be the case. Um, at we're just in the wrong city or in the wrong country, right? Uh, where they didn't have this threat surgery. Um, so I just, I've tried, you know, and you can't, you don't do it every day, right? But I, I tried to take that perspective and say, well, like, I'm supposed to like not be here and like some really smart people fix me up and I'm here. So like, I can't really waste this opportunity and I should be able to pass that along and, and be helpful to others. And uh, so I've, I've tried to take that approach and it, yeah, it gets back to building that, the toolkit that, that I think where I can be most helpful. Um, my friend, uh, Tatiana, who you might know if you've seen, she's got to have it. She does all the artwork in, in that TV show. She talks about how, when she goes into a space, uh, say community center and she's, she's an artist and she's, how can I, how can I help? These are my tools, right? Her tools are that she is a good illustrator and painter and a really good listener. And that she has access to, to public spaces where she can put up her work and share people's stories, right? Those are kind of her tools. And if people don't want those tools, that's fine. And if people want them, then she can do interesting things with them. Um, but she just enters and says, these are my tools. How can I help? And so I was trying to take, I, I tried to take that same approach and I just thought, well, I should have more tools. I should, I should have, you know, I should have tools that other people in my community don't have because even if they're not always going to be helpful to every single person, there's going to be environments where it's like, oh yeah, we really did need somebody who can like do a budget, <laughs> understands accounting. Um, it's, it's actually useful in this one situation and we have no one here who can do it. That's amazing. You're going to be so successful in your you know, desire to, to help push the art world forward. And I'm so excited for you. Actually, RJ, you have an Instagram, right? That um, is something. Is that something you want to talk a little bit about? Your, uh, your yeah, creation? sure. I so I I'm fairly active on Instagram. Um, I kind of early on took the the intentional mindset of like I don't want to be an influencer, so to speak. So it's it's really it's just my own photos. It's very rarely photos of me. It's really photos of street art and graffiti and public art that I see and and enjoy. Um, wherever I am. And 
I think it's it's a way for me to really stay engaged with what's happening on the ground to just like this past this past week I just spent five hours wandering around the city some place some streets I was familiar with some streets I wasn't to just see what's out there right and to walk around with with my eyes open and it's something that I encourage you know whether you're whether it's because you're interested in art or architecture or just what's going on with with people in the world it's something that I always encourage people to do is like take a few hours walk around the city with your eyes a little bit more more open and and a little more intentional for like what's going on and you're going to see people feeding pigeons or a weird piece of graffiti or a building that's really cool and covered in ivy that you've never noticed before so i just i love opening myself up to that and so my instagram is a way for me to sort of make a practice of that uh, do you want to give us your handle Oh, yes, it's, it's just my name. It's at uh, RJ Rushmore. Okay. My favorite well, is actually the profile pic. It's a solid <laughs> mustache. Thank you. It's a good quarantine, uh, you know, situation that has now been toned down because recruiting. Wait, that's incredible. That's your actual mustache? I thought it was like a stick-on. Oh, oh, no, wait, that's a... Oh, you know what? That one is a stick-on. There's, a, there's another on Twitter. <laughs> yes, you're right. That... Thank you. That is that is a fake one. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I now now that I'm you know really going deep into the Instagrams, I'm seeing some solid actual mustache action. So for those of you interested in both RJ's art and his mustache, check out RJ at RJ Rushmore on Instagram. <laughs> well, All right, this was really great and and so enlightening. Um, it was so great to chat with you and. I am looking forward to touching base on a one-on-one basis and um, continuing the conversation. But thank you so much. Thank you both. This has been really fun. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing everything that uh, Stern Chats does this semester. Great.